message from Valley Bible Fellowship. It is our sincere prayer that you're richly blessed through the ministry of the Word. For more information about VBF, visit our website at vbf.org. Now, here's Pastor Ron Bietti. Good morning. Give it up for these guys. They did a good job. The best I've heard you right there. That was good, gang. That was good. It was fire. And I hope you're ready for some fire this morning. We only have one challenge as we're starting out. I can't talk too long. I got so much in here that's got to come out today. Say it. Okay. We want to welcome all of our internet people. Welcome. If you're from Las Vegas or you're from listening from Thousand Oaks or if you're listening from New York or Boston or Australia, we welcome you. We're glad you chose us. I have so much to say today. You all know me by now. I walk divinely with God. For 50 years, it's been my life. That's what I do. You got that commercial down? That's what I do. I know a lot of people don't believe the way I believe, but I'm telling you, I've found the life. So let's just get started. You ready? Let's pray over it. Father God, bless this. Bless these notes that I've scribbled out. Bless this word. Make it come alive. In Jesus' name, and everybody say amen. amen. What would you think if I said, I'm the friend of Brad Pitts? Um, uh, you know, Kevin Costner's my friend. If I said they were my friend, wouldn't you automatically think that I talk to them quite a bit? That I have their number on speed dial on my phone? You would come to a lot of conclusions if I said they were my friends, which they're not. But if I said that, you would conclude a lot of things. Uh, did you know that there's a man in the Bible that it's said of him that he was a friend of God? You know who that was? Come on, do you know who that is? Yes. In fact, he's also called the father of our faith. Let's look at Galatians 3, 27, 29. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have closed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free man. There's neither male nor female, but you're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, how many belong to Christ in here today? If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's children. Your heirs according to the promise. Look at Romans 4, 1 through 3. Then what shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, has found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham did what? He believed God. What did he do? He believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham's our forefather. Now, in the Hebrew or in the Greek, it means he's the founder of a tribe. He's the one who is the beginning of something else. Here's what I'm suggesting to you today. Abraham was a friend of God. 
and I want to be the friend of God, so I better look at his life, right? And see what he did and see how he acted. Let me start out with a question. Can you be a friend to a father and still be your father? Can, you be, can your father be your friend? Yeah, I hope for a lot of you today who have healthy family relationships that your father is your friend. I hope I'm the friend of Josh. Josh and I are buddies. I'm his dad, but I'm also his buddy. I'm Tara's dad, but Tara and I are also friends. My grandkids are my grandkids, but we're also friends. We like to hang out together. Debbie's my wife, but she's also my friend. I told the people here Monday night, and that was crazy. You know, I went out on a limb and said, hey, we're going to do a marriage enrichment. If you want to come out, it'll kind of hold us till the next marriage retreat. And I thought maybe 150 people would come out. So I said, I'll buy you dinner. We'll buy you dinner, everything. I didn't know 700 people were going to come out. <laughs> but I told them Monday night, I said, you know what? I said, I went through a phase one time where I, I, I was being too controlling with my wife. I, I saw her as my wife, and God told me to be healed of that for a season. I needed to start calling her my friend instead of my wife, and it was for a season, and it helped me a lot because, see, Debbie is my wife, and she's also my friend. I want to stop here and take a few side roads some of you men have stopped being friends with your wife. And some of you wives have stopped being friends with your husband. We're seeing each other wrong. We might see our spouse as the breadwinner or the housekeeper, uh, parents to our kids, someone that I have intimacy with. But we've stopped with that friendship aspect. Now, people that become friends in a marriage, what do they do? Spend a lot of time with one another? They laugh a lot. They, they plan together. My wife and I go for walks in the evening, and I just like to be funny. I have her laughing sometimes in tears. I just point out things. I make commentaries on them. I'm just having fun. She's my friend. They do things together. They look out for one another. I also brought up in the marriage seminar the other night, or the marriage teaching, that one of the number one needs of a wife is for affection. And in fact, it's something that all of us need. And what is affection? It's it's the feeling of being needed and wanted. And I challenge the guys, don't always just, you know, touch your wife and love on her when you want intimacy, but you're to be her friend. You're to show her affection. I need affection too. And I brought out Monday night that my wife, she's, she's just crazy good. Uh, when I go on trips, every time I go on a trip, I'll, I'll get out of town and I'll, I'll pick up my bag to look in there to see what she's put in there. And without failure, she's put in sunscreen. She's put in some snacks in case I get hungry. She's put in extra cash in case I have an emergency. She's put in caffeine so when I'm coming home, if I'm tired, I can pop one. She's got my meds in there. She, she uh, has hand sanitizer. She has a mask in case. It's just incredible. Now, what does that do to me? It makes me feel very loved. It makes me feel very wanted and very appreciated. Uh, she's my friend. And she's my wife. God's my heavenly father, but he's also my friend. He cares for, for me. And he makes me feel wanted. He makes me feel like I'm a VIP, and he, he makes me feel important. Today at the end, we're going to sing a song, and I, I chose an old one, and that is uh, good, good God, good, good father. I've, I've 
seen through the years, and I've come to appreciate the fact that usually people who can get pretty into worship, these are the people that have God as a friend. And, and they, they want to give adoration to their friend and their heavenly father, and, and they want to thank him for what he's doing in their lives. Now, it says here that righteousness comes from believing God. That's the way Abraham became righteous. He took God at his word. I mean, you've been around long enough to know, I, 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 I really believe in God's word. Look at Hebrews 11 and 6. It says, and without faith in God's word, without faith in God, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. This is the only, this is the way we can please God, by believing in him and believing in what he says. Look at this same verse in the Message Bible. It says it's impossible to please God apart from faith. And Why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. Abram did just that. Abraham said, he's right on in everything he says. I'm going to believe God in everything he says to me. And it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now, here's just a few promises in the Bible of righteousness. Uh, the Bible says that righteous people will come to a place where they realize what real life is. Righteous people will be honored. Righteous people will be prosperous. Righteous people, their needs will be automatically supplied. Now, I'm just taking verses and paraphrasing them. It says in the Bible that the righteous will behold their king in his beauty. Righteous people will not be under the law anymore. Righteous people will be satisfied with life. Righteous people will have their prayers heard, and they will constantly see God. Those are promises for righteous people. How do we become righteous people? By believing in what God says to us. By believing in His Word. That's the way we become, become righteous, just like Abraham. We really, really believe in Matthew 6, that if we seek first God's kingdom, everything else will be added to us. We really believe in Romans 8, 28, that, that God will cause all things to work together for good. Now, I shared little bits and pieces with you. Maybe you ought to share the whole story to some extent. You know, I, I, I was diagnosed with leukemia in 1997, told I was going to die, had four years to live, and God said, nope, you're not going to die, I've got a plan. Well, after that, I had prostate cancer, had my prostate taken out, cancer gone for five, six, seven years, it came back. And so, I had something called a chemical recurrence. So as of two or three years ago, or a couple years ago, they said, cancer's in your body again. So I'm fighting a second cancer. I went to my friend, God. I said, God, you saved me the first time. You're going to, am I to go home this time? And God told me, I mean, I wished I had time. I don't have time today. It's going to be a miracle to get through these notes. And I don't like to abuse you, get you in here and abuse you. But I have so much in here that's got to come out. So I went to God. I don't have time to go into details today. But he miraculously told me again, I saved you one time. I will save you the second time. And because you acknowledge me, I will hear your prayers and I will keep you from death. <laughs> Done deal. And since he said that, I've had for five years these cancer numbers going up and I've been watching them. Since he said that, 
Since he said that, my numbers have started going down, 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 down with every blood test. And in fact, my life is not even in danger as I stand here this morning. Not at all. I can live with this thing for two decades if it stays this way. And it will stay this way until God is through with me. Now, I believe God so much that, you know, I, I, leukemia has been pretty much gone for 20, 25 years. But they gave me a pill to take. And I went into my doctor, Cedar sinai last two weeks ago, and I said, you know what? I want to go off the pill. I don't even need the pill. God said, he's going to save me, and I don't even need it. He said, do you want to go off the pill? I said, yes. Ron, I guess I was going to say good luck, but you know what? I don't think you need luck, do you? I said, no, sir, doc. You know me well enough to know I've got God on my side. And so now I'm off all medications, nothing. I mean, I am totally believing in what he said to me. I hope God will say about me what he said about Abraham. He believes God, and it's reckoned to him as righteousness. Now, I'm not saying to you to do the same. We all have our own walk. God saves through pills. He saves through medicines. He saves through doctors. My walk will not be your walk. I'm only going off this pill not to test God. I'm going off because it makes me feel crummy. Since I went off of it two weeks ago, I feel like a new man, and I don't want that in my life. And so you kind of know, I know people kind of say, man, Pastor Ron's cancer again. Yeah, I've had a lot of cancer. I've had three. That doesn't make any difference. Now, now, now stay with me. I've got to get some work done here. See, I, I talked to God the other day. I know most people my age, they start retiring and golfing and having fun. And, and I told God, I said, I have two choices now. I can semi-retire and I can uh, enjoy life and do some ministry. Or I can continue to go full force on, I mean 100%, and get all the work I can get done before I get out of here. I might cost myself a few years in life, I know, but you know what? I'm here to do a job and get there because being there is a whole lot better than being here. That's what Paul said. So I told my wife, I said, I'm going back to Vegas several days a month. They need me over there. I'll still be here, but, but when I'm not here, I don't want to just sit and twiddle my thumb. So I'm going back to Vegas, helping them out, uh, on and on and on. But here's the deal. My heavenly father, my friend, just blows me away. That's why I can't shut up when I get up here. He blows me away. The Bible says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And that's not the Bible. It says man shall not live by bread alone, but he'll live by what God says to him on a day-to-day -day basis. That's what gives him life. You got to hear God. Uh, I mean, God's been trying to talk to me. I know you get tired of hearing some of this stuff. I know it. But when my joints ached, man, they don't ache today, I'm telling you. He told me to start drinking water. He said, you got you to drink water, water. And he kept telling me in miraculous ways, drink water. And I did, and I started feeling fantastic. And then I told you, and I didn't get this till this morning. Remember that miracle story a few years ago? I was going to Vegas. I was going too much. It wasn't like I'm going to do now. I'm going over there, staying a few days, and I'm coming home once. But I was going back and forth at 3 in the morning, 2 in the morning, and then I'd run in, and I'd have to do a sermon here, and I was trying to get my notes, and I was all nervous, and adrenaline was flowing, and I'd run down here and do my sermon. Then I'd try to get back to Vegas to do this sermon. I'm a guy who can live with stress if I'm not careful. 
adrenaline. And I told you that night, and it was as real as the nose of my face. I'm laying in bed in the morning. I got in from Vegas at two in the morning. I was over at the beach and God told me, he said, you're going to die. If you keep living this way, you're going to die. I go, is this God? I'm telling you, you're going to die. You got to stop. And so I'm at six in the morning going, God, I don't want to die, but I still want to do Vegas. Can I do this? Can I do that? And God said, I'm just telling you the way you're living, you're going to die. And I, I, I'm just telling you like it happened. And I'm sitting there arguing with God for 30 minutes going, I don't want to die. And I know this isn't good for my body, but how can I do it and do it right? And just as I swung my leg to get out of the bed, this sister and the Lord wrote me this text and it said this, it said, godly men, they avoid radical impulse. They, 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 they avoid living the way you're living. And it says, why die for your time? That's all the text said. What? Now, now I said that again. So I've already heard that, but I'm going somewhere with it. Because that conversation wasn't through. Did I listen to him? You think I listened to him? No. I just kept on living this stressful life. Kept on. Now, miraculously, God has used this person in my life again. The last few weeks, they keep writing me and they go, all I hear God say is that you've got to stop doing these adrenaline rushes. You've got to stop stressing. You've got to rest. You've got to get some kind of rhythm going back. You, you, you can't live with adrenaline stress anymore. You can't live with high blood pressure. You can't run here. Too, 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 too. You can't do that. And... And I heard that again, and I thought, wait a minute, it's coming back again. And then, then I was in conversation with Randy Duncan today. We were talking about the mitochondria effect. You know what that is? Almost every cell in your body has thousands of mitochondria cells. That's what's in your, 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 your cells. And the mitochondria, it produces energy, carries oxygen in your body, keeps your immunity up. And they say just a little bit of stress. If you live with stress, every time you live with stress, in hours it can destroy the mitochondria. In hours. And all of a sudden it affects your immunity and everything. And God says, I'm trying to show you something. You have to quit living the way you're living. Because I'm, I'm just a stress junkie. I mean, I, my wife calls me the rabbit in the story of the rabbit and the, the, the turtle, wasn't it? Wasn't it a turtle? It, it was a rabbit and a turtle, Yeah. That's the way I live. If I get a little bit head on something, I'm in there eating a carrot. My wife says, and you've got to be there in 10 minutes? Yep, but that's 10 minutes. I got eight more. And then I'll run. I'm late. You're late because you've been goofing off. You went in and watched Judge Judy for an hour. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know if you know, but if the service is 9 o'clock here, you know what time I walk in that back door? 9-12. That's when I walk in. I want to sit and look at my word more. I don't want to be distracted before I get out here. And so we have our part. Don't, don't hear me wrong. God heals through us doing our part. I went off all sugar and my blood sugar went down from 102 to 88. I don't do sugar anymore, period. Just in fruits and stuff. And I, I do all this crazy stuff. So God does heal through talking to us. My friend guides me. He leads me. We have ongoing conversations. Okay, now you got to get the stress out. You're doing good in the diet. You're doing good in the working out. You're doing good on, the, on all the aerobic stuff. You're doing good, but now you gotta, you got to get the stress out. He's always talking to me and leading me and guiding me. Now, let, let's, let's look at Abraham some more. Let me take you back to a, a very defining story in his life. And I'm watching the clock. When the clock says we're over, we're just through. 
Are you still with me? Genesis 12:1. Now the Lord said to Abram, now this is before he was Abraham. When God started breathing in his life, the Holy Spirit means wind. Uh, spirit needs wind. It's pneuma. Now, he was Abram, but when God started blowing on his life, he became Abraham. But he's still Abram here. Now, the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. I'm not going to show you before you start. I will show you. Now, now, God wanted to start a new chapter in Abraham's life, a new chapter. Again, in the marriage uh, seminar the other night, I, I shared with people, and I think some of you need to hear it. I said, when you got married, the Bible says you're to leave your father and mother and cleave to your wife. You're to leave and cleave. Some of you have never left. You never left mommy and daddy. What do you mean, Ron? I don't get it. When you bring into the marriage the belief that what mom and dad did is what we need to do. The way my dad was is the way I need to be as a man. The way my mother was is the way you need to be as a wife. When you do that, you have not left. It's a sign of not leaving. For example, my family used to do Sunday dinner around the table, and doggone, that's what we're going to do. Uh... You know, man does all the repairs. That's what a man does. Man does repairs. In my wife, life, my wife does most of the repairs. I don't care if my dad did them or not. I left that, that whole situation. What works better for me? She loves to fix stuff. Why should I deny her? <laughs> she loves to fix things. She loves electric drills. That's like romanticism to her, man. And hearing that electric drill, woo, she loves it. She loves hammers and nails. She loves it. So I just hold the ladder because I don't like to do those things. No big deal. I'm secure. I'm a man. You're not going to insult me so you're not a man. I don't care what you think. I'm a man. I'm a man who knows how to hold ladders. She can feel secure when she's up there. My mom made stew from scratch. Well, take it or leave it. I make it from can. Mom never worked. Well, maybe that worked for her. I don't know. But when you got married, it was a new chapter. Stop letting your parents, what they did, dictate to the way you do things. Appreciate them and love them, and, but do life your own way. Leave and cleave. Am I talking to somebody here? Did I insert that for a reason? Abraham was told by God to leave the old and start something new. Look at verse 2 and 3. And I'll make you a great nation. I'll make you into that. You're not that now. What you are now is not what I want to make you into. And I'll bless you. And I'll make your name great. Why? So you'll be a blessing to others. That's why. I'll bless those who bless you. Hello. And the one who curses you, I'll curse. And in all you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. I, I shared that with you a few weeks ago, a very important verse, that it says, if you support a prophet, you'll get the reward of a prophet. So if you want to be more blessed, bless those who are blessed, bless those who God has called, and you'll be more blessed. That's just a nugget for you, little nuggets that we discover as we read the Bible. Look at verse number four. 
So Abram, still Abram, went forth as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Now Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Two things I want you to see. Number one, he took Lot, his nephew, with him. Hmm, is that what God told him to do? He said, leave your relatives. Leave them all. Could this be partial obedience? Now I want to tell you something. Abraham's going to create for himself some difficult situations by his partial obedience. See, so often we're at the altar asking for miracles all the time. I need a miracle. I need a miracle. And the miracles you need have a lot to do with the mess you made. You didn't listen to God. You did partial obedience, and now you got a problem in your hand, and you're asking God to take it away. That's what we do. See, a lot of us shouldn't be having the amount of problems we're having. You're having marriage problems. You never ask God if you should marry that person. Now you're in the mess. And remember, you made a vow until I die. Now you got to ask God for a miracle, and he'll show you how to navigate that. Some of you have kid problems because you didn't raise them in church. You have health problems because you didn't listen to God when he was speaking. I mean, all these health things. I'm going to have a health class. Would you, would you come if I have one? I got so many health things, radical health things. You, you should come. You should come. I mean, through God's words, I'm beating three cancers. I'm beating the daylights out of them through God. But he's showing me a lot of things that I want to show you. How many would actually come if I had that? Yeah, great. Some of you lie. I don't trust you. <laughs> I've done that four and 500 raise their hands and 10 show up. God wants to save us from a lot of stuff if we'd only listen to him. How do you hear God when you go to church, when you read the Word, when you engage in fellowship? Second thing I want you to see here, and this is for someone here. Abraham was 75 years old when God asked him to do something new. I rebuke that retirement mindset. I mean, no, you, you can retire. I'm not against that. But when you retire from a secular job, you got to get involved in the kingdom. You can't just stop doing things. Remember an elderly guy, retired, went to the desert. I think he was about 75 or 80. And a pastor left a church. They asked him to do an interim pastor. And he, I don't really want to do it, but I will. And that got out of hand. And now he has a church of over 1,000. See, you never retire as long as you have breath. Do you, you hear what I'm saying? Not from, not from ministry. Not from being God's vessel. You can retire from your secular job, yes. Look at Isaiah 40, 31. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength, even if you're 75. They'll soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. That's me. Proverbs 20, 29. The glory of young men is in their strength, and the honor of old men is in their gray hair. Yeah. Don't cover that gray hair like I do. Look at the next one. Isaiah 46, 4, even to your old age, I will be the same. And even to your grain years, I will bear you. I have done it, and I will carry you again, and I'll bear you, and I'll deliver you. I should speak to you silver-haired people out there. Psalm 71, 18, even when I'm old and gray, oh God, 
do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this next generation, your power to all who are to come. Wow. Let's read one more passage about Abraham. This is a defining moment here, not the last one. This is a really defining moment. And that's in Genesis 22. Look at verse 1. Now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham, and Abraham said, here I am. Now that here I am phrase is very interesting. In other words, I'm in a place where I can be used, God. Here I am. In other words, my finances are in order. I have no addictions to sin. My marriage is healthy. Here I am. Send me. Some of you are asking for ministry, but things aren't in order. You can't say what Abraham said. Things don't have to be perfect. Hear that well. They don't have to be perfect, but they can't be tying you down. Here I am, God, send me. If you Vegas needs some help, I'm here to help them. You, why am I able to say that? Because I have time. Number two, I have a fantastic marriage. I can leave for three weeks at a time, and she'll let me go. In fact, she probably helps pack my bag. <laughs> my finances are good. I'm not in debt at all. Not in debt at all. I, I finally have a house paid for. I'm, I'm, I'm in good shape. Uh, I have no sinful addiction. I'm not into pornography. I'm not anything else. I, I'm willing to go. Uh, arraignment of someone. Get your house in order, and then God will come and find you and put you in ministry. He'll find you. But your house needs to be in order, it, not, not to perfection. See, it's the reason for the season. Uh, get your house in order, and then say, God, here I am. I'm waiting. Chronicles tells us the eyes of the Lord go to and fro just looking for someone who has their house in order. See, some of you guys, even you see guys, I want a wife, I want a wife, I want a woman, but you're into pornography and all this stuff. God would not going to send you a woman. In fact, he's going to get women away from you until you get right. Get right, and then God will bless you. Oh, my goodness, we got 10 minutes left. Oh, God, give me grace. I'm on a roll, God. Can you see that? Give me grace. Now, look at verse 2 and 3. He said, take now your son, your only son, the one who you love with all of your heart, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him, Isaac and his son. He split wood for the burnt offering and rose and went to the place which God had told him. Now, this is where I'm humbled out. This is where me and Abraham kind of leave each other. I'm not nearly at the faith that that man was. Now, I'm not at that level. Anybody here at that level? If that was me, I'd probably go, take your only son and offer him on Mount Moriah as a sacrifice. I'd probably go, ha, ha, that's a good one, God. You almost had me. I thought you said to offer my son. Now I know, really, you meant offer a lamb, right? Yeah. Well, you had me going there for a moment, God. I mean, you meant to do it in my heart, right? I mean, I'm sure that's what you meant. But not Abraham. Took it literally. Man, what faith this guy had. We need to study his life. Let me ask you a question. In, in the emotional sense, I have to be careful with my words because I got some pretty nutty people listening to me. How many of you need to lay your kids on the altar? In an emotional sense, you need to. I mean... Listen to me. You need to re-rededicate your kids again. My parents in their older age, 
I didn't visit them as much as they wanted me to visit them because I was doing Colorado. I was doing Vegas. I was, and one day my father did say something really cool. He said, son, I know you don't come as often as we want you to come. But when you were a baby, we dedicated you to God and your gods. My dad really mellowed out in his old age. It's only fair to say he really did. And so some of us need to re-rededicate our kids, lay them on the altar. Can I say something? Can, can I get into your life for a second? Some of you mamas especially, you're trying to manipulate your grown kids. Stop it. Stop it. They don't have to live the way you want them to live. I'm talking about grown kids. You need to lay your grown kids on the altar. Let God have them. Pray for them daily and encourage them. But with your grown kids, let them go free. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I think it's probably someone here. Look at verse 4 and 5. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. On the third day, boy, I wished I had time. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkeys, and I and the lad will go there, and we will worship. And in the, the Greek interlinear, it says, we will worship, and we will return to you. Hello. He's hearing something that he's not talking about here. Notice he said to the men with him, you stay here. Abraham didn't want any outside influence hindering his faith. He didn't want any faith killers going with him. He didn't want anybody there that would try to talk him out of what he knew he was supposed to do. See, even mature Christians can sometimes discourage us and hurt our faith. Uh, Josh, when he was a young man, 21 years of age, he had, he had bought a house in, in Vegas. He was young, and I told him, you ought to invest. He bought a house in Vegas, and he probably doesn't like me telling this, but I'm sorry, I'm already into it now. <laughs> and uh, one day he came to me and said, God, if I tell you something, Dad, will you promise me you won't try to talk me out of it? Promise me. He was smart. And I said, no, I won't. I promise. Okay, now I'll tell you. I'm going to sell this house and give all the money to the church. A young man at 21, talk about twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars. That's why he's called to be in this place. I've watched Josh come home with no shoes. He gave it away out in the streets when someone needed shoes. I've watched Josh lay on his face and pray when I should have been laying on my face. That's why. Don't think he's just up here because he's my son. He's up here because, man, I've seen a man of God. And I respect that. So he didn't want any. Let me tell you something. Sometimes when you're going to do something very radical, God's called you to do it and you know it's God, you can't share that with everybody. I couldn't go to my parents and tell them when I was at the height of my leukemia and it was killing me that God told me to throw all my chemotherapy away. I couldn't tell them that. My parents would have tried to talk me out of it. They would have started praying against that. Hello, they would have started praying against something that was God's will for my life. They didn't see it. The way I saw because God was talking to me. Oh. Board meeting years ago, I was right out here and I said, God's told us to go to Mexico. We got to go to Mexico. We got to start this Mexico ministry in three weeks. And the board told me, they said, you can't go. You got to have a van because if you don't have a van to transport the people, it's going to be a mess. Ron, put it off till we get a van. And I said, I'm not going to put it off. I'm sorry. You're the board, but I'm not listening to you. We're going to Mexico in three weeks with or without a van. Next day, a guy, a very poor parishioner, walked in, laid a $22,000 check down on my, on my desk and said, I don't know why, but God said, give this to you, and you'll know what to do with it. I went and bought a van. <laughs> Have you noticed in Scripture, listen, this is important. Have you noticed in Scripture that very often, even in our text today, God doesn't move until we move? 
That's called living by faith. Look at verse 5 and 6. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with a donkey, and I and the lad will go over there, and we will worship, and we will return to you. Real briefly, now we got to end this thing. Let's look at some characteristics of this man, and I won't be able to talk about them thoroughly. I'll come back next week or the week after and continue if that's okay, if we need to. Uh, Number one, the first thing I want to talk to you about, Abraham saw God as a good father. Now, I don't know who I'm talking to. You've tuned in on the internet. Maybe, maybe you're here today. But you don't see God as a good God. And it's because of your theological persuasion. Your view of God is warped. It's not healthy. We must see our God as a good God. You see him as a God who sends people to hell and is predetermined before they're born. And you don't deepen your mind. You don't see God as a good heavenly father. Look at Matthew 9, 36. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them. Now, Jesus was the perfect representation of the father. Whatever Jesus felt and did, the father feels and does. See, he's he's seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and and, and dispirited like a sheep without a shepherd. Look at John 3, 16, you know this, and for, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Proverbs 19, 17, one who is gracious to a poor man lends to the Lord, and because God likes that so much, he'll repay him for his good deed. When Jesus saw the people at the Sermon on the Mount, when he was out preaching on the hillside, excuse me, not Sermon on the Mount, but he was out preaching on the hillside, he saw the people had no lunch and he felt compassion for them because their stomachs were growling. That's the kind of God that we serve. 1 Timothy 2.4, God desires all men to be saved. How many all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth? He said, well, that all men, you know, I've been taught that that's the elect. Oh, baloney, baloney, baloney. That all is defined by either the addition or the non-addition of a determiner. A determiner tells you who all is. If it said all the elect, then that's what it would mean. If it said all the Gentiles or all the Jews, it says God desires every man on the face of the earth to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's the God that we serve. That's the God of love. Now, faith in God motivated Abraham to obedience. He basically says, if my son dies, God will resurrect him from the dead. See, Abraham knew that God had a plan for Isaac's life, so this didn't make sense what he was doing or told to do. But he knew that God had a plan for Isaac, and God's plan would be totally thwarted if Isaac was to die. And so he knew that he knew that he knew. He didn't know how, he, how God would do it, but he knew if I carry this out, God has another plan because his promise will come true in Isaac's life. When I pray for my children, they all have a plan. I pray for Tara because God, Father God, she's got a plan. As long as Jim's in ministry, she's got to be there for him. She's got to live. Josh has to live. He's got a, a ministry that you told him to do. My grandkids have to live. Oh, man, please hear what the Lord is saying. And then next, he verbalized his faith. That's really important. I'm not going to read Mark 11, but in Mark 11, it says that when we pray the things that we desire, we must believe that what we're saying is going to happen. What's coming out of our mouth is going to happen. Our words make us or break us. And Abraham, he verbalized his faith. He said, we're going to go up, and we will both come back. 
He verbalizes faith. We have to be so careful with what's coming out of our mouth. Oh, I have more to say, but I got to skip over it right now. Go to, go to PowerPoint number three. Abraham was willing to give up something he loved for something he loved more. The Bible says from glory to glory, he's changing us. From good thing to better thing, he's changing us. God doesn't want to just change us from bad thing to good thing. He wants to change us sometimes from good thing to a better thing. Now, here's the question. Are you willing to give up something good to get something better? Most of you aren't. Most of us try to hang on to what's good and says, why should we, why should we you know, uh, shake the boat here? I mean, this is good. No, you have to. What is God calling you to give up today that's good because he wants to give you something better? Uh, you know what that is. I have no idea. Number four, and I don't have time to talk about it. Don't let life become a destination but a journey. I'll have to come back to that. And number five, I'm going to end with this one. Believing in the supernatural will cause you to do things you wouldn't ordinarily do in ways you wouldn't ordinarily do them. Abraham, do you, do you see it in his life? If we, we kind of go through his life real quick in a, in a summary, Abraham believed God could raise the dead. Abraham believed that God spoke to his people. Abraham believed in angels. In Genesis 24, 7, he's sending a servant out to do something. He says, oh, God will make it happen because he'll send an angel with you. He's just off the top of his head. And I, I'm a child of Abraham. I mean, I believe in those things too. Uh, again, he's the father of the faith. He started a lifestyle for us. I'm going to end with a story and, and a few things. You got five more? Are you serious? You got me? In with a story. I briefly told you this story, oh, some time back, but I didn't go into detail. See, I'm always telling you my God stories. Man, I have a bunch of them. But sometimes it's refreshing to hear somebody else's God story. Pastor Rod Jones sent me this podcast. By the way, someone said today, what happened to that pastor from Dallas, Texas? I mean, my nephew? He's my nephew. <laughs> Didn't he live here? No, he's always lived in Texas. He never lived here. But Rod sent me a podcast, and it's really interesting because you can tell in the podcast these are probably millennials. They're, they're young people, and they're not used to this, this life that I live. And Rob tells a story. He said, I'm in my late 20s. And he says, I went to Michigan to visit my parents. And he said, we ended the night with prayer. My parents are charismatics, and I don't think he is. Rob wasn't. He went out to get into his car. And he said, all of a sudden, this feeling came over me. My ch chest got tight. And, and I, I'm not saying I heard a voice, but I felt this strongly. And what this impression was saying to me was, go to 7-Eleven and see a man named Jim. He said, I, I, I've never had anything like this before. It was like I became a satellite. And the, the little girl in the podcast, she goes, satellite? That sounds new agey. That's plumb crazy. She said, no, I, 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 I've never felt this way before. And so I said, you know, it's either one of three things. Either I've made this up in my mind, and I don't even like 7-Eleven, or because I was raised charismatic, could this be the devil speaking to me, or is it God? He said, I decided to go with it. I said, God, I don't think this is you, but if it is you, tell me more. He, he, the, the, the host and hostess on the program said, uh, what happened? He said, it was kind of like downloads start happening, rapid downloads. And this, this thing that I knew said to me, it was just, I know that I know that I know, said, go to 7-Eleven, see a guy named Jim, 
and tell him that, I, that there's hope for his finances. There's hope for his finances. I, I thought I'll just roll with it. He said, so I, I, there's only one 7-Eleven in town. I drove there. And I already had to figure it out in my mind that I'll go in and there'll be a guy behind the counter named Jim. I'll say, hey, there's hope for your finances and I'll leave. Yeah, I walked in. First of all, there were no cars in the parking lot. I walked in. Nobody in the store except a checker behind the counter and it was a woman. So I concluded real quickly, that's not Jim. So I went back to the hostess section. I looked down every aisle to make sure no one was in there. Went to where the the Twinkies are and the ding-dongs, and and I just started killing time. I started reading the ingredients and waiting five minutes, ten minutes. The store clerk started getting a little suspicious. Finally, I thought, well, it's not God. I knew I heard this wrong. He said, I went up and bought something. Right then, a guy comes in the door and said, it looked like he was in a rush. Man, he looked like he was, he, was, he was doing business. He ran back, grabbed a candy bar or something, went back to the front, and said, I knew that I knew that I knew. He had a mechanic shirt on. I was looking for Jim, and there was no name on it. So I went up and I said, hi, you're Jim, aren't you? And he says, yeah, I'm Jim. Why? He said, I don't know. He says, this is crazy. God sent me here to tell you there's hope for your finances. This guy looked at him like he was crazy, and he says, this is crazy. He said, right now, I'm in a, a bankruptcy situation. I declare bankruptcy. He said, man, I'm sorry. I just, God told me to tell you that. And he, he said, I don't know what else I'm supposed to do. I could, the bank's close. I can go with the ATM and get some money and give it to you. He said, no, 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 you don't need to do that. He said, I'm a believer too. I'm a Christian. All I needed to know that God was involved. And I've never had anything like this happen in my life. <laughs> now listen to me. Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Abraham and I live the same way. I don't know why Christians don't believe this. Why are there churches all over Beggarsville today that don't believe in the divine? They don't believe in this life. It's like cutting the heart out of the watermill, and that's the sweetest part. I mean, why? All the way through the Bible, from Abraham to the end of the Bible, Abraham, Elijah, Elisha, Daniel, Peter, Paul, from cover to cover, they live this lifestyle with a divine God. Why has the church today said that was only for them in the Bible, but not for us? That's rubbish. I know a lot of you have a hard time, but start the journey. I mean, welcome to Ronnie's world. Demons exist. Angels help us out in ministry. God's voice guides us. The Holy Spirit helps us get things done. Live like Abraham lived. Start the journey. How do I do it, Ron? Pray and listen. Listen when you pray. Go with your hunches. When God says, text someone, text someone. Uh, don't be afraid to do radical things. Pay it forward. Oh, I got so much more to say. I'm already 10 minutes over. I got more. I got more. Say, he's got more. Say it to your neighbor. He's got more. You know why I have more? I'm, I'm not real good at a lot of things, I told you. My dad and brother were so talented. They made things. They were artists. They did everything. I, don't, I didn't get any of that. I didn't get any of it. I told you, I make things, and get, Debbie doesn't even know what they are. <laughs> I try to fix things, and I make them worse. God said, I got a plan for you, though, Ronnie. I'm going to reveal my son through you. Believe me, I couldn't get this excited. I don't make this stuff up to have a big church. I could have a bigger church if I didn't tell these stories.
doesn't matter. I have to share what's in me. Are you on the journey? I, again, I'm sorry. That's all I can do is apologize every week and try harder. Did you get bored at any point? Did, you, did I lose you? Abraham, he's our father. He's the head of the tribe. He's the prototype. We've got to live the way he lives and we'll have the results he has. And you know what? I'm trying to live the way he lived, and I'm having the same results. If I'm not a model for you, then write me off. But I'm telling you, it's working. I'm blown away. Father God, thank you. If people need to get saved today, let them know all they have to do. Come up to the front for the prayer people or go home in their bathroom and say, God, I want you. Send the Holy Spirit. Live in my body. Give me the strength I need to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. What I say here is we're already way over time, so let's just really do it right, okay? Let's stand and sing this song. If you have to go, you can go. If you want to stand and sing, sing it. You're dismissed. God bless you. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message has ministered to your heart. If you don't already have a church you call home, we invite you to join us at Valley Bible Fellowship for worship, Bible study, fellowship, and more. We're at 2300 East Brundage Lane in Bakersfield, California, near Mount Vernon and Freeway 58. Reach us by phone at 661-325-2251 or visit our website at vbf.org. Here is our King.